Hi everybody, my name is Dean Saffron. I'm a commercial and documentary photographer filmmaker. I specialize in human interest stories. You can view my work at deansaffron.com. I also love all furry babies, so I simply had to start a podcast called Furfillment, where each week I will explore a different person's life story and that of their pets. If you want to be on the show or you know a person that should be on the show, please contact us at our Facebook page, Furfillment. Okay, sit back, relax and enjoy. Hey guys, today's special guests are a couple. Andrew and, and Today's special guests are a couple, Andrew and Naomi, or Andy and Gnomes, as they like to be called. Andy is a hairdresser here on the Sunshine Coast, and Naomi is a prominent vet. I didn't meet them through either of their places of work. In fact, it was the quirkiest thing ever. I was driving along and I saw the two of them walking, two dogs and one cat on a lead. So I pulled over and I had to have a chat to them. Hi guys, thanks for joining us. Good morning, Dean. So the first question I'm sure everyone has is, how did you teach a cat to actually walk using a lead? I don't think you do teach cats to walk. I think you sort of got used to it, but actually I think it was the other cat you saw before. That wasn't Barry. I had another cat, Norman, and Barry was his replacement because the other cat died. And he used to follow us everywhere or go on a lead. So we used to take a lead because he'd follow us anyway. And then when we tied the boys up to a tree or what have you, we'd tie Norman up as well because just to stop him running into shops and things because he runs into kitchens. And I think he was quite familiar with the dogs and the routine. So I think he just followed along. He thought he was one of the dogs and it was just what the dogs did. So that was just what he did. So what happened to Norman? He had a car accident. I'm really sorry to hear that. How long did you have Norman for? Not even a year. Not even a year. But he, he was destined for a short life. He was crazy. He would not stay in. Yeah. Andrew, would you have any stories that would sum up Norman's personality? I think Naomi said there was one about the roof. That was a classic story. He went missing. And of course, I put a notice on Noosa Community Notice Board. Anyway, one morning at five in the morning, I get this phone call and I can hear 30 voices in the background. They're like, we've got Norman, we've got him, hold on. Anyway, he got onto this roof of this multi-story apartment block and he'd been up there for three days meowing and the neighbors had heard it but they couldn't get to him because it was so high up so in the end they'd tied two or three ladders together they'd all climbed up one had held onto it it was like the worst workplace health and safety and they've reached down grabbed norman and whilst they're going they're like call him now and they've called me and anyway they brought norman down and he was reunited and so i had to take lots of chocolates and things to everyone in the street because everyone in the street had participated so they all knew Norman yeah he was crazy it sounds like Norman definitely was a guy that said let's go hard or go home a lot of people can relate to that okay now I heard you've got another cat and his name was Liam and he did something that stunned a taxi driver can you tell us about that We were coming back from dinner in a taxi late at night and as the taxi pulled up, he stopped at the crossing out the front of our house 
and Liam walked across the crossing in front of the thing. We thought he'd been home all night. He's obviously thinking, oh, they'll be home soon. I'll get home quickly. Taxi's like, look at that cat crossing the road. And I'm like, that's our cat. <laughs> and I was like, out the window going, what are you doing out? <laughs> so you get home, you know? And he was just looked at us as he ran across the road and scampered up the stairs. So let's move on to Barry because he's got his own quirks. You actually take Barry to work. He loves going um, to the hair salons. Yeah. So he comes to work every day, either on the motorbike or in the car. So here's a backpack for the motorbike, which has clear mesh so he can breathe. Does him being on the back of your bike in a backpack cause a social media stir? Many Instagram feeds, because people who are sitting behind me in traffic, video him or photograph him because he's sitting back looking at them. And when he goes in the bag, he actually makes himself look bigger, pretending that the bag's too small for him. Pushes his face against it like it's against the thing. People say, oh my God, you've squashed your cat. And I said, no, he has plenty of room. He's just doing that for attention. So he's like that kid that puts his face up to the mirror and blows a bullfrog so his face all swells up. Does he actually like going to work? He, everyone knows him. So he sits on people's laps. People say to me, is he friendly or does he bite? And I say, yes. Both. <laughs> Just, every day is quite entertaining. So many men, even men come into the salon and they're like, I hear you've got a cat, I just came to see you. My, my wife said you had a cat. Men stop me in the street and then they show me videos of their cat as if I... They're, they're like, oh, look, and this is my cat, this is Charlie, look, he's on a sunbed. I'm like, really? <laughs> Not normal. Some sort of club of men that have videos of their cats on their phone. Uh, yeah, unusual, yeah. But men love cats. Yeah, but we do, but you don't realise it because they don't talk about it. History would be so different if Hitler had a cat. It would have been a different person. <laughs> Could you imagine? Yeah. So how would he be then? So we don't know. Uh, oh, just different. Gent yeah. Gentler. He would have stayed on the artist track yeah. and not actually deviated. Do you want to do another picture or should we get you? Oh, here's a German ship. Oh, I think I'll invade Poland. <laughs> Onto your dogs. What type of dog is Albert? Albert is what they call a toy bulldog. So a toy bulldog sort of, for those motor enthusiasts, it's sort of like the Leyland P76 of dogs. I don't know if you know, Leyland made a car many years ago. My father was in the yeah. industry. And it was sort of parts of every car seemed to be. And so it looked like sort of a Falcon from the front, a Valiant from the side, and like a Holden from the rear. Needless to say, it was like the worst car ever made. Which is sort of what toy bulldogs are. They're just sort of a mix of French bulldog, Boston Terrier. He's the Leyland P76 of dogs. You kind of look blank, buddy. Yeah. He is very blank. Is he like a supermodel? He is literally a supermodel. He's quite an attractive dog. He's quite fit. He's quite athletic. Everybody comes up to him and they're like, oh my God, he's so sweet. Well, yeah, he just looks at you completely I think, I think if you could read his thoughts, it would just be like that sound you used to get when you used to accidentally call a fax machine. That sort of <laughs> boom, bong, ding, dong. That would just, that going, goes on his head. You have another dog, more infamous, uh, Donald, the sausage dog. Does Donald do anything and blame it on Albert? Everything. Albert? Donald does everything and blames it on Albert. He will, will come home and Don's done something and he, we will look at him and he knows he's done something wrong. And then he'll take the piece of evidence and he'll dump it in front of Albert <laughs> and run away. And Albert will just be sitting there going, what, what's going on? Like, what did I do? Wow. Why are you like, and he is. Don's cunning. If you're familiar with Gary Larson and the Far Side cartoons, yeah. he uses sausage dogs in his cartoons a lot. Yes. Because they are evil. Oh, <laughs> there was one time I was walking them out on the front, out 
we're at Perugian, there's a beach out the front. And even though you're not always allowed dogs off leash, there was a time when they'd gotten off their leads and I was walking because them. Because she'd let them off the lead. Yeah, like the lead wasn't put on. The lead. <laughs> <laughs> there was no lead. People, in Australia, there's leads and no leads. Naomi had no leads. No leads. Anyway, I was walking south towards Coulomb and all of a sudden, and it was far, like I was probably like a kilometre down the beach and there was this poor guy who'd bought pizza and sat himself down on the beach, literally opened his pizza box. The wind was coming from the north. The dogs had picked up the aroma and just like bolted up towards the pizza box. Did they jump into the pizza box? I actually think they would have. Yeah. The sausage dog has probably gone in there, taken a piece and bolted the other direction. He's launched many times. Yep. He has Getting food on the food. fly and swallowing it before yeah. he hits the ground. Yeah, We just don't train them. Simple. <laughs> well, yeah. I couldn't. I tried simple. to make him sit, and I can't tell well, if he's he sitting or standing. Sitting. He's got, his no legs, legs don't actually have a joint in them. There's no <laughs> bend in his legs. <laughs> when he was a puppy, I did try and make it, like, in my defence, I tried to make him sit. Yeah, we thought he was. And I couldn't standing. tell. Poor Donald. Naomi, let's talk about you being a vet. My dad, when he was a kid, wanted to be a vet. He grew up in Canada. He was like, oh, but his, his dad wouldn't let him be a vet. So I, I, I threw that at my careers advisor. I was like, what about being a vet? And she was like, you'll never be a vet. And I went, okay, that's my job. That's <laughs> so you became a vet? Yes. It is, it's not an easy career. And more than once I've wanted to literally flush that career down the toilet. I've worked, there was a time where I worked in a bike shop for a period of time. Um, and I considered going back to uni and doing landscape architecture or something else because it's, it's, it's a difficult career, not just physically, mentally, but also emotionally. Like it takes a lot out of you. And I think in the end, I decided that I'm actually quite good at being a vet. I think that's probably the secret in life, isn't it? To find a vocation that you're very good at. And like they say, if you find something you enjoy and you're good at, you'll never work a day in your life. Now, I don't know about other countries, but in Australia, um, there's a belief that veterinary services are very expensive and even more so than what it costs to take a human to the hospital. It's it's a perception because people are, in Australia don't pay for their medical expenses. It's supported by the government. So I think that, and you go to the chemist and a lot of the medications is subsidised by the government. A lot of your healthcare is subsidised by the government. So you actually don't see how much it actually costs. Um, and I think when people go to the vet, they are shocked by how much it it actually costs. But it's not that our prices are inflated, it's just that they're real and we're not subsidised. Like, yeah. the pet industry is not subsidised by the government. Um, yes. The only thing I would always say to all pet owners, and I have always done this, uh, when you get a pet, it, it is a commitment. Um, and in the long term, you need to either have insurance or have a bank account with your pet's name on it because stuff can happen. And if you don't expect it, like even myself, if some of the, some of the diseases that can affect dogs and cats, I, I often think if it was my, like my pet, how would I afford that? 
It is. It's one of those things that will go without eating ourselves, so that we can give good care to our furry babies. Could you give us one example? Can give you an example. Um, I had last last year. We're in southeast Queensland, and around September, October, the tick season can be quite bad. And ticks are these little, if you're not familiar, little um, biting arthropods that attach themselves to the animals and they suck their blood and in return they inject a poison and the poison causes like a paralysis that starts from the back legs moves forward so it, it makes them unable to walk it makes them finally unable to breathe um, and it can happen quite quickly and last last year around the start of tick season when the ticks are usually bad I had a call from um, a veterinary clinic in Gympie. I was working at that stage at a um, emergency centre where we're basically prepared to take critical care cases and things like that. And they had this puppy that was approximately 14 weeks old that had been affected by a tick and it had deteriorated quite quickly so it was unable to breathe. So the vet and the nurse at Gympie, which is probably 40 minutes away, got in the car and drove the puppy down so it could be put on an artificial respirator. Um, now they breathe, they basically breathed for the dog all the way into the clinic and when it arrived at the clinic I put the puppy on a ventilator. Um, now the puppy was on the ventilator for I think somewhere between 24 and 36 hours and the bill for that was around $10,000. And the puppy the puppy did great, but I think the thing is like without that that puppy would not have survived. And it was only like the guy was from a farm in Gympie. It was one of his working dogs. He probably wasn't prepared for that amount of finance at any time, but he was committed. And then his puppy went home and he kept bringing it back to see me until it was about six months and the puppy did great. But after, on about the third visit, he came in and he gave me an envelope. Um, and he just said to me, he's like, this is, this is for anybody that's in this situation that can't afford the care that their pet needs. Mm. And I, I didn't think too much of it. I took the envelope and then after he'd gone, I opened it and there was a thousand dollars of cash in there. And he'd just given it to me and asked me to put it towards some other pet that needed it, which is, I mean, it's such a lovely gesture because yeah. it, it's sometimes, it is difficult. And we, like, we as vets know that it's sometimes difficult to, to afford what your pet needs, but it's something that you've got to be prepared for. In the veterinary industry, we do see a lot of sad things and it's nice to see somebody like that that actually cares so much about not only his dog, but about other people. And it's nice to see that there are nice people around still. Like there are genuinely nice people around. That's a truly incredible story. I hope there'll be a lot more people doing that after hearing this podcast. Is there any issues in the veterinary industry that need to be addressed or resolved? One, one of the problems we are seeing in the veterinary industry, which is not a new problem, but it's more, um, publicised now than ever, which is probably not a bad thing, um, is the high suicide rate in the veterinary industry. And it's something that I've been a vet for, I graduated in 97, so a long time. And I think even back when I graduated, I knew vets that committed suicide then. And most of them were young vets and not very, very many years out. And I think 
it's it's the same then as it is now but now it's coming more to the forefront um and the whole there's been a focus on mental health and mental awareness and everything like that which i think is quite good but that's if somebody was to tell me that they like my niece told me that she wanted to be a vet i would dissuade her because the emotional side of it is quite difficult and it's mentally quite taxing and sometimes there's a lot that's expected of you that they don't teach you at uni and it can be really difficult and I think a lot of young vets come out and they've got all the knowledge but they can't relate to people and they don't expect people to be how people are and sometimes people are nasty and I think a lot of young vets take the brunt of it and as a it it, it pulls them down because they're just inherently high achievers and they're trying to do their best and people don't appreciate it all the time. I think one way that people can take into consideration the amount of work that vets do and the nurses as well, like the nurses and the receptionists and everybody, is to actually think before they say something, before they get upset, um, and say thank you sometimes because I think it's it's a hard like it's a hard vocation and I call it a vocation because most people are there because they love animals um, and it's important to them and they do everything they can to save pets and I think that sometimes not all pets can be saved and people find that difficult but it's the same with people like to be honest the like cancer and things like that affects animals and it affects people and we can't fix it in people so we can't fix it in animals and I think that's hard for vets because it's it's a big emotional burden because most vets are very personal and they have a connection with all the patients that they see. They build a relationship with the owners. They've, most of the time they've been knowing the kittens and the puppies since they were kittens and puppies. Yeah. And then, so they're equally as invested as the owners are. And I think sometimes a response when something bad happens is to get angry at the person giving you that news. And that's not always the right thing to do because sometimes they're as equally upset about the news because they've known your baby as much as you have for the duration of their life. That's so true. I never even thought about the fact that the vet is part of the family. They look after your baby. They're the most important part of the family. Looking at these guys just lying around us now on the couch, on the floor, I have to ask, I'm wondering what you think they would say about themselves, what they would like, or what they would say about each other. If it's happy laying on the couch just being patted, he would just be, pat me, just pat me. Oh. And where's the food? Uh, pat me, where's the food? And the mirror. What about Baz? Food. He just and thinks about- And he likes to go for trips. He's always, can we go for coffee? He loves it. Yeah, he does like going out for coffee. He likes his bag. And drives. I think sometimes he, he likes, likes his drives drive. a lot. Yeah. Wow. Finally, what do you think Donald would say? Donald's... He just wishes he was an only child. Yeah. He's like, can we just get rid of those other two? Yeah. That's... Please. <laughs> he's, like, no. he's like, just leave them somewhere. Yeah. Just. Can we just go? I think there was one time he nearly drove Albert to suicide. Yeah. Because no. I got a call from work. No. Yes. I got a call from work from a concerned. I don't know. Pedestrian. That was downstairs in the coffee shop. Yeah. 
very concerned that Albert was standing on the table about to jump over the edge. <laughs> he's, he's had enough and he was going to jump. <laughs> and I think to this day I blame Donny for that. I'm not sure what happened, but he didn't jump, needless to say. But this poor client, she's on the phone and she's like, I think one of your dogs is up on the table. I think he's going to jump. And so I had like, to... Talk him down. I didn't know what to say. I was like, look, he's going to be fine. I don't think he's going to jump. Um, I think he's probably just a bit confused at the moment. And he said... It's a hard, hard time of his life. I don't know. You know? Well, what do you reckon they were fighting about if they were fighting about something? What would they fight about? Well, Don is really jealous of Albert's long legs. And this is the thing. Whenever there's a fight, Albert bites... I mean... Donnie bites Albert's legs. So I think there's like, there's some jealousy there. So I think it could have been over that. So Albert's just jumped on the table because he could. Is there any final advice you would like to give to new parents of furry babies? Just one piece of wisdom. And what people have got to realise is that when they get a dog or a cat, that they're around for a short part of your life, but you are their whole life. That's a brilliant piece of advice. I would like to take this opportunity to thank Donald, Albert, Baza, Andrew, and mum, Supervet, Naomi. Thanks, guys. Thank Thanks. you. That was great. Until next time, this is Fur Filment with your host, Dean Saffron. Peace and love, everybody. Peace.